Hi, and welcome to Serious About Sustainability, a podcast series brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric's Ikadan Air Source Heat Pump. I'm Max Halliwell from Ikadan, and you're listening to a series of podcasts all about renewable home heating. We'll be covering a range of topics from the perspective of UK homeowners, self-builders, contractors, and housing associations. Our show today is called A Sustainable Future. My guest is Ben Fogel, broadcaster, writer and adventurer. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm very well. Good, good. Uh, first question is, how's your year been? <laughs> <laughs> Max, my year has been really, really weird. I think that's uh, the way to describe it. I almost look at it like an inverse or reverse adventure. So usually I spend upwards of eight months of each year in other parts of the world, in the wilderness, uh, anywhere but my own home. And this year, well, like the whole nation, I've pretty much spent about 12 months of it at home with my family, which has been incredible. It means that I've really had time to be with my family. And actually by serendipity, by luck, the, the first lockdown coincided with us moving out of London into the countryside. So actually we had we we had some focus that we could actually sort of nest build and and actually create this this new home in the country as a family. So although it's been weird, you know, it's it's had its its hardships for everyone, economic, fear, all of those things. I have always been a glass half full. I've always been optimistic. So we've tried to make the most of it and uh, to have all that time with my family has kind of been incredible in in difficult circumstances you've taken advantage of it yeah it leads me on to um netflix a lot of people have watched a lot of that mm-hmm. um bbc caught up a lot of tv the thing that really stands out for me which probably is a subject dear to your heart been a lot of stuff on sustainability in the earth and particularly david Attenborough's new netflix film mm. which was i don't know if you've you've probably had a chance mm. to catch that yeah um a lot of key messages in there about you know the whole planet a lot of people have um paused slightly and looked at the whole crisis as a as a reset what what, what do you think of the whole um situation in terms of the way people are feeling at the moment about the earth and covid god how, how long do we have <laughs> uh, this this may go from half an hour into half a day um wow it's i mean it's complicated isn't it now now that new series what's interesting is that i have two children um ludo and i and who are 9 and 10 and and they're incredibly motivated um, when it comes to environment, sustainability. Greta is their hero, heroine, I should say. And, and they're probably better at picking up mine and my wife's shortcomings than anyone else. They were the ones that really pushed for us to go as green as we possibly could. Now, what's really interesting is with that new Attenborough, for example, I, I think it's incredible, but it's really depressing, but it's also the reality. So you now have to, to weigh, as a father, my kids have watched every single Attenborough series there is. They haven't watched this new one yet, if I'm to be honest, because I want my children to feel empowered. They already know that this planet, we're, we're facing unprecedented challenges and problems, but I also, I don't want to terrify them. I don't want to freak them out. And that's not being disrespectful to to that specific program, for example. But for me, I've always been a positive campaigner and I want to arm people with 
options and opportunities and the ammunition to make a positive change rather than to kind of beat people into fear and terror. Yep. So without doubt, the world is facing problems. Now, throw into the picture coronavirus and the impact that that has had. Now, as we know, it's actually had quite a positive impact because everything has slowed down. When I say positive impact, not on people's livelihoods, and, and that's really important to, to, to point out. But when it comes to the environment as a whole, everything has slowed down. Air travel has has been reduced. The, the amount of road traffic has been reduced. Our impact on the planet, our consumerism, everything has kind of retracted. And obviously, there are a number of environmentalists who are saying this is almost the moment the planet is, is pressing the reboot button. Now, make what you will of that. Uh, and, and it's really difficult to talk about that when we're in the midst of the storm of, of COVID, because so many people uh, are, you know, are, are suffering um, from the economic fallout from it. But from an environmental point of view, without doubt, it has been a wake-up call. And I think we have realized that perhaps everything needs to slow down. Less, less of everything, I think, is, is what we need. So we've got too much stuff, haven't we, essentially, do you think? So first of all, you know what I have to... Let's point out the elephant in the room. I, I have too much stuff. I have a big um, negative carbon footprint myself traveling to lots of the places I go to. I already mentioned eight months away. I take far too many flights or did. I haven't, I've hardly taken any this year um, for obvious reasons. And so I battle like everyone else does with where, where is the line at which um, you, um, you, you, you sort of, you draw your line in the sand to say, I won't step over this. So for me, we've tried to reduce family holidays, for example. I, we, we try to live with a consumer value of need versus want. So I've got a sweater on now. I, I like this sweater. If I go to a shop and I see one in another color or a, a slightly different pattern, do I need that sweater or do I want it? Now, this one is perfectly good. Yeah. I've Look, had this for a couple. It's nice. Do you, by do the way, listen, listeners, this it's, is a this is a nice sweater. It's, it's, a, it's a nice yeah, blue, blue wool sweater. Yeah. You know, it's depending on your ethics. I don't mind taking borrowing some wool from a sheep. It does grow yeah. back. Some people have a problem with that. I don't. Um, so we as a family, we try to just think realistically about our consumer habits and and whether we really need something or whether we just want it and we're buying into that whole thing. So I think, yes, in answer to your question, we do. We just have too much stuff. Um, how do we change that? I think it's it's just, it's going to take time. And and I personally, I put a lot of hope in our children because they're much better than, than I am uh, when it comes to sticking to those kind of those boundaries that you set yourself. The Mitsubishi Electric Ikadan air source heat pump switched from fossil fuels like oil, LPG and storage heaters to clean, renewable home heating. Visit ultraquietikadan.co.uk for more information. Ikadan, serious about sustainability. So Ben, that's a really, really interesting point about um, the the youngsters buying. And one thing I've noticed is that um, the term is throwaway society. We buy a washing machine, we buy something, it goes wrong, and it seems to be cheap to throw away. Same with um, there's a lot of um, what we call consumer fashion as well. People buy an outfit um, and it's done. But the impact of something like that uh, compared to 
a high quality, more expensive one. And, you know, this is change of psychology in terms of the way that people, people are used to being able to afford something quite cheap and just throwing it away with no consequences. Do you think that's shifting with the youngsters? Do you think they're, they're tuning into that more, that it, this is not the way to live? I think so. Um, let's go back to the jumper analogy. Again, for those just listening, it's just a very plain uh, blue jumper I've got here. But I actually spent a little bit more on this than I could have. Um, and the reason was that I wanted a sweater that would last a long time. By the way, my whole life isn't d- dominated by this one single sweater, but I think it's a good metaphor for what we, what we, um, the, the values of our consumerism. And for me, I have always thought that spend a little bit more on a higher quality product that will last for longer. And the problem is that we have all been seduced into changing our phones on a frequent basis, changing our televisions, changing, you know, changing our outfits. Like you say, there's plenty of, of, of people over the last few years who wouldn't think twice about buying uh, 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 an item of clothing that might be worn once. I kind of call it fast fashion. It's, it's yep. fast food, fast fashion, fast lifestyle, fast travel. All of these things give us, it, it, it's the sort of the sugar hit. Like an uh, instant gratification, is it? It's, yeah. it's instant gratification. It's super cheap and, and it, it's part of the throwaway culture that, that has kind of become endemic. Now, this isn't really blaming people because we're all part of that big picture. But sometimes when, you're, when, when you are all dazzled by the same light, it's quite difficult to see the shadows. And I think we're all part of that. But our youngsters, our children are the ones that can see really obviously. My, I, I listen to how my children describe and talk about things. And it's a very different culture to us, you and me, Max, who you know, ha- have been seduced probably by this accumulation culture that, that we, we probably, I'm, I'm making presumptions no, now, no, on you, but exactly I, I, think we're probably, I think we're probably quite similar that if we go out and, and we get caught short because we didn't take a reusable bottle out, we'll buy a plastic bottle of water because that's what we can do and that's what we've done. Whereas the children will be like, mm, do you not think we should just go home? Can we wait? Do you think we could go home to get our reusable bottle and yeah. not do that? And I think I think children have been unpolluted. Uh, I don't know if that's, maybe that's quite a good metaphorical term, but they, they haven't yet been seduced and habituated into the lifestyle that that we have accepted as the norm. So it means that it's much easier for them to look for for clever solutions and also to stick to those principles that we need to be doing. I I would hazard a guess, if you ask this country now, what are we, 60 million people? If you ask everyone, do we have problems with the environment? I know there are those that say that aren't, but I'm not even going to listen to those because it's so obvious that there are things I happening. Think in a minority. Yeah, yeah, they really yeah. are in a minority. And they, they also believe that there are some people that you unzip and they've got dragons underneath them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> get, I get into trouble with all those denials. That's no, fine. fine. Listen, I don't really mind because yeah. I have seen it. I know it is happening. It's In my mind, it's undeniable. You can, okay, listeners, I, I think it's important, make up your own mind. But I, I personally think there are, are changes happening. But if you ask the majority of this planet, are you trying to make changes to your own lifestyle? Are you trying to reduce your use of single-use plastics? Are you trying to reduce your carbon footprint? I think most people will say they are. But what happens is suddenly something happens like coronavirus comes along and all the rules are thrown out. So we now suddenly have this this epidemic of of single-use PPE. Now, 
it, it's a difficult one to criticize because uh, PPE, and when I, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, obviously it's the protective masks, the like gloves, the clothing, yeah. clothing, everything that's used um, to protect uh, the vulnerable, to protect care workers. And obviously that's indisputable. You have to, you know, there are hospital workers that have to use it. And by the nature of it, lots of it is single use because that's the only way it can be practical. But for you and I, Max, you know, I've got in my pocket here, I've got my mask. Now this is not, I'm not using single use because there is no need for you and I to use single use because we could buy two of these masks. This is a fabric one for those who aren't um, watching. And I'm just using this as an example that we all, we need to think about every aspect of our daily choices to try and do our little bit. And a lot of people will look at a single mask and go, well, I mean, in the grand scheme, how is that going to make any difference? Well, you know what? The smallest, smallest beginnings can have massive, profound changes if we all do this together. And if everyone has this kind of negative sort of uh, feeling that they're not going to make a change, then we're doomed. But children see that and they're like, no, no, let's, let's, all, let's all work together. And it's this whole togetherness thing. It's about community. It's about yeah. thinking about more than just ourselves. And when you think about the bigger picture, we're, we're now just coming back to this whole selflessness, uh, selflessness again, rather than the selfishness of seeing people as competitors rather than collaborators. And we should all be collaborators, but we have been uh, we, we've been brainwashed to feel that every everything is a competition now. Yeah, you know, we'll who else is listening? We're fighting for other people's ears with a podcast. Yeah, so so yeah. they are competition, not collaborators. But and I use that in the in the greater um, uh, context with books that I write, with TV shows that I do. It's all competition around me. But actually, if we change our whole ethos and our whole vision to see actually the world as collaborators we could be in a much better position. That's a fantastic point, Ben. It leads nicely onto a question I was going to ask you. Um, you mentioned um, about the mask. Um, oh, let's not buy some solo ones. How is it going to make any difference? Let's go big picture now. There's a lot of people in this country, probably some of our listeners, um, thinking, you know, I'm doing my bit. I want to do my bit. I know there's a problem. Um, but in the global context, looking at um, economies that are maybe a long way behind us, um, and they're saying that, well, we need to, we need to basically catch you up. We, we want these things that you have. And people are thinking, they're, they're feeling hopeless. How am I going to make a difference? And there is this air of um, people thinking, I can't really make a difference. What, what would you say to those people in terms of from a global picture, we're all in this together. Is it is it related to this togetherness rather than these in, being an individual? What would you th- what would you say to that? Again, it's quite a complex one, but I spend a lot of time in developing countries, and without doubt, you, if you go to those places where people are just aspiring to have a house with electricity, that's that's the first step for them to actually have a a formal home rather than an informal one. Who are we to deny them of that just because we're trying to? reduce our overall consumption. So yes, it, it everyone should have, you know, we've we as a developed nation have been incredibly fortunate for the last decades um, to have what we have now. Now if you look at that, then it's very easy to feel helpless and think, well, goodness me, look at all these uh, up and coming economies of huge great nations, the whole of India, the whole many, many nations on the African continent, uh, the whole of the Far East. 
you know, all these nations are, are trying to catch us up. So then what's it going to look like? But I, I feel you should lead by example. And we are an industrialized nation. We, we led the world with our industrialization. So we should lead the world with our green initiatives. Now, not wanting to add another dreaded word into the conversation today, but Brexit is still looming. Coronavirus hasn't stopped that. I see Brexit, forget about the politicization uh, and the politics of that word. We're leaving the EU. So I now see this as an opportunity for Great Britain to become a pioneer of green values. We should, you know, as an island nation, we should be um, leading the world by example of green initiatives. We should stop producing all plastics. We are uh, single-use plastics. Sorry, I should just change that. We should be looking at entirely green energies, which I think the, the Prime Minister has already uh, acknowledged. Yes. He wants us to he, he wants us to become the, the green Saudi Arabia. Yeah. You know, he, he has already said that, that he would like us to do that, but we should. We can't just make this, this can't just be thin, shallow words. We really should be pioneers. So if, you, if we can then do that, then yes, we, we, it's not for us to, to tell um, Ugandans or Tanzanians what they should or shouldn't be doing, but don't also use that as a helplessness that, that there's no point in, in us reducing the number of single use plastics or the number or, or the car vehicle choice that we use there's there's no point just conceding we should actually be thinking no let's let's actually be pioneers and lead by example and there's no reason why if we're really super clever with our car technology with our heating technology with our energy choices that a lot of those uh, developing nations can leapfrog. They can they can leapfrog through the whole fossil fuels thing and go straight into a, a greener world where it is all electric cars, where it all is where it is all heat exchange or geothermal or solar or wind, wh whatever the choices that you have yes. uh, chosen to go with. So I kind of I've always been a positive campaigner, and and again I always try to look at the positives and solution rather than lamenting uh, the negatives and excuses and reasons for not doing something. Yes, because there's an awful lot of false news out there as well, isn't there? For example, um, you know, hear about China building 2,000 power stations a week. Um, but yet you were saying about some economies leapfrogging. Um, and I was reading the other day that um, China, for example, their uptake of renewables um, in terms of quantity is world-leading. Um, their tree planting program as well. So I think we need to be careful of the news we read. Otherwise, it gives us a perception that we're the only ones doing something. And that's that's what a lot of people feel. And it's it's a convenient excuse, isn't it? Yes. You know, a lot of it, and, you know, let's take us as examples, Max. You know, any excuse to kind of like have an easier life because it's hard, you know, doing all of these things is hard and it costs money. Uh, so a lot of people, it's almost like, oh, Thank goodness I don't have to change my car. No, let's just stick with with, with uh, there's a the global pandemic right now. Let's let's you know we're going to upgrade the car. No, let's stick with with the diesel one. Let's not go for this electric thing. It's all a bit scary. I don't really understand how. Oh, God. It's it, we're creatures of habit. We yeah. hate change, and I am the first one to put my hands up. I can't reiterate enough that I'm not perfect, and I don't like change either. But sometimes you do just have to dive headlong and don't use any of those excuses. And the, the convenient excuse for many people is, oh, why should I worry about plastics? All the plastic that ends up in the ocean comes from seven major river sources in other countries. It's not our problem. 
most of that has been exported to those other countries. So it very much is. But even if it isn't, we should is you know we we should be leading by example. Not you, you know they go low, you go high. Now that, that, that's not an, that, that's not saying that those who aren't as green as us are low. But I'm using that as a metaphor that we should we should hold our heads high and we should try to march on that stiff upper-lipped Britishness that has got yep. us through so much in the world, lots of negative and dark times, but it has also, you know, it, it has progressed uh, an economy from a very small island to punching way above its weight. And, and I don't see why we shouldn't be doing that now when it comes to sustainability, the environment and green initiatives. That's brilliant. I, I love this idea about the UK becoming a pioneer for green values. You know, we've we've lost lots of areas where Britain were manufacturing and expertise. We have incredible um, engineers, brains, technologies in this country, um, which leads me on to what are your thoughts on the UK government's um, current trajectory onto our target for net zero and things we're doing. You've probably got some views on where we are now and what we need to do. What, what are your thoughts on where we are and where we're going? Well, full disclosure. So I'm, I'm working yeah. a, a, on a government campaign uh, in the automobile industry, a, a campaign called Go Ultra Low, um, which is about encouraging the uptake of electric vehicles. So I obviously have a, a, a sort of a, a vested interest in this area. So again, I want people to understand that maybe I'm talking from a, 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 a specific mindset, but I wouldn't have started working on this campaign if I didn't really believe in it myself. I think now is a, a, a time that we really need to think about automobiles, cars in particular. Um, it's something that we can all make a change. Again, the, the way I look at it, Max, is I, I look at my overall carbon footprint. And believe me, I do analyze. I do think about it. My children make me do that. And in some areas, I'm much better than, I perform much better than most others, the, the majority in this country. In others, I'm far, far worse. So when it comes to air travel, just by the nature of my work, my my air carbon footprint is much higher. Now I can come up with excuses and say, um, I can't change that. It's the only way I travel. I obviously try to carbon offset. But what I try to do is I try to make up for those shortcomings in other areas where I think that I really can make a difference, whether it be driving an electric car, putting in a heat exchange system for the heating in our house. And, and that for me is my way of trying to kind of improve that overall carbon footprint. Now, back to your question about this, this goal to become carbon, um, uh, carbon neutral, I, I think it's very ambitious. I think, I think that the dates that we've set, although some people argue it needs to be brought forward and that we're, you know, that, that we need to actually speed that up. I think if we, it's this fine line between not terrifying people to an impossible target that we're bound to um, uh, shoot, uh, overshoot, but also being sensible at putting the infrastructure down and the economic um, uh, kind of carrots for people to actually make those changes. Now, we're obviously, as we head into lockdown 2.0 and the economy uh, continues to be uh, trashed, I'm not quite sure how those, um, how those targets are going to play out when people are struggling to buy enough food for, the, for, for, for their house. So we're living obviously in very complex times, but I think we should still try to head towards those targets. And, and I do believe the government are trying to work towards that. I don't think it's just lip service. I think they really genuinely do have this goal. Um, 
whether we can actually meet that is another thing. So if we, if we now then um, come back down more to a micro level in terms of the UK, I mean, we, you, you've been talking about things that you do um, to give people hope and the little things they can do in life. You've mentioned a couple of them, but if you're, if you're out and about and you know, people want to feel better about what they're doing, what would you think the main things people should be thinking about at the moment? Um, to be, I can't remember who actually said it, but um, it's called Be the Change You Want to See. Mm. Um, so rather than we've got these huge problems and people think, well, oh, I can't make any difference. And uh, they said, you know, be the change you want to see. What, what, what do you think is the best things people can do? Well, it's, it's bespoke and dedicated to every individual. So there's, uh, I, I, would, I would prefer to use the carrot rather than the stick. So rather than beating people into submission and telling you, you must make the change, be, exactly as, be the change that you want to, to see. And, and I think it's, it's down to, there's an economic threshold for many people. So for, for, for lots of people, changing the car is simply economically unviable. It's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So don't make them feel guilty about that. So that Average there's, there's price nothing, for an electric vehicle, it's, it's, 30, 40,000 pounds. It's still high. It's yeah. coming down. Yeah. And it's important to say it's coming down. But, you know, that's a big change. Changing their heating system that they have chosen to have in their house can be a, a, a large outlay. So if you don't have the capital around, that can be too much. So I think, first of all, it's to, to choose exactly what is economically possible for you and then work your way up. So almost draw a list of, you know, I, I would almost tear the list right from the, like the smallest detail, mask choice. You know, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's jumper not get, choice. You know, jumper <laughs> choice. So we're working, yeah. you know, some of these ridiculous examples I've given yeah. today. Don't underestimate the impact that has and work your way up and then create sort of core values when it comes to the foods that you eat. Do you need to eat meat three times a day? Do you need to drink milk in every single hot drink that you have? You know, I, I think we've just got a bit gluttonous. How much food waste do you know? Start <clears throat> start analyzing how much you waste, how much you throw away. Have a look in your cupboard. How many clothes? How literally stock take you like become an accountant and look at everything you have in your house and and look at value over returns. How much have you used that? And think about it. So I have friends who looked in their wardrobe and, and decided they had far too many sweaters. We're back to the sweater thing. Far too many sweaters. I don't need, I'm going to spend the next year, I'm not going to spend a single penny on clothing. I don't think, I don't believe I need anything in this year. I think and they, most, most people could do that, couldn't they? Of course they could. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. again, I, I'm, I think it's important to practice what you preach or to at least admit if you can't practice what you preach or, or, or what you talk about. And without doubt, I could uh, um, survive without another raincoat. The problem is I spend so much time outside. My weakness is I go to an outdoor shop and I'm like, oh, look at that beautiful jacket. That's my weakness. <laughs> well, that pair of hiking boots. I really want that. So I'm culpable, but you can do that. So I think it's starting from a, a micro level and then working your way up to, uh, to absolute targets. So my goal we're still hooked up. Our house um, is still hooked up to the electric grid. I yes. would. I don't see where we are. We're on top of a hill. It's perfect for solar panels. I would love to um, cut ourselves off from the grid. That is yep. my goal. Definitely possible. But, but, which is definitely possible. But also, we've all taken an economic hit this year. Yep. So I'm also realistic that I'm, I can't afford to fork out, even with a government grant, I can't afford to fork out on those solar panels right now, but we will. And, and that is just on my list. So when I'm looking at my spending, 
uh, over the next little period, that will be my next goal. So I think it's setting yourself green goals. So it's not all the achievable things, but it's just setting yourself goals. And by the way, there is nothing better than just something as simple. I, I think it was um, New York that had this, when they were overrun with um, crime uh, back in the 60s and 70s, I think they had something called the broken window policy. And, and what the mayor of the time uh, did, um, what, who isn't a very popular man now, but you know, did a pretty good job, I think, for New York. It, the, the broken windows policy was all to do with if an area has broken windows and looks downbeaten, then it will it, it, it exaggerate. It yeah. will, it will yeah. get worse and worse and worse. Well, the same goes for the environment overall. So if you're walking along the road and you see some thrown sandwich boxes and cans, it, it kind of people just suddenly stop caring about mm. that environment. If you stop your car or stop walking or stop cycling and pick that up and stick it in your pocket, it's amazing what a big, profound difference that can start to make to that park, to the roadside, whatever it is. Now we're really talking on a micro level now, but it's about it's about um, showing your resolve and also your true sentiments and feelings. And for me, when I'm with the children and we see a can on the ground and we pick it and they see me pick up a discussion, you know, which yeah. oh, someone else is, you know, obviously COVID. It's got COVID think on it, it, it. Think about it. Yeah. Again, people be sensible yeah. and, don't, you know, I, I, we have to be sensible about what we do and don't do now, obviously. But for me, I make a point because that is very much saying, um, so not just my children, because they already know this, but to the wider world, really care about this planet. People are disconnected. So ultimately, what we're, you know, this whole conversation comes back to where I spend most of my life in the wilderness, the trees, the rivers, the lakes that are increasingly becoming um, the, the minority on this planet as, as we urbanize and, and, and we sprawl into those rural areas. But ultimately, that's what it is that we're protecting. So if you can protect the little green spaces that we have, it's symbolism and it's, and it's, uh, symbi it's the symbolism of the symbiotic relationship we should be having with, with the natural world. Brilliant. So, so what you're saying is we can, um, those little things, you can start to create an upward spiral of a, a, a national and global attitude which then cascades right the way up to the bigger picture. It's as important as that. Absolutely. And this is, I, I know it sounds ridiculous yeah. still talking about this uh, after decades of telling people to use reusable bags when they go shopping, but it, it's so true. If we can really start by shifting with those smallest of things, it's amazing how habituation and habits will just change. And, and there's a lot of people that just feel still overwhelmed and using the, and, and are using these inconvenient, these convenient excuses. Um, you know, it, the bottom line is it's not easy being green. There was that TV show years ago with Dick Strawbridge. It's not easy be, being green. It isn't. You do have to work a little bit harder, but that's the whole point. And if ever there was a time we had a bit more time on our hands to do this, it's now. Well, so a lot of stuff to think about it, Ben. I love the way that um, we can take this as from an individual point of view, build that list ourselves in terms of what's acceptable. You know, as you say, buy an electric car for most people, can't do it, but there's so much we can do individually. I really like that per person kind of attitude. I've been watching a lot of your um, shows, New Lives in the Wild. Uh, Robert Runyon from Arkansas, USA, he built that incredible solar tower 
um, for power, two wood-burning stoves, water from a spring, et cetera, no toilet even. Um, really extreme examples, but he was all about caring for the nature. I mean, out of all the people you've met, was he one of the most inspirational? Was anybody that really stands out for their, perhaps what they gave up to go and respect nature? Was there anybody that really stands out? Was it him? Or I think there were so many. I mean, Robert was amazing. And, and actually, I went back to, to revisit him five years after my first visit. But Robert is probably kind of a metaphor for many of the, the individuals, families, couples that, that I've um, been to stay with over the last decade or so. And, and they all live what we'd probably call off-grid. So off-grid just being they're not connected to gas. They, don't, they rarely use fossil fuels. Some of them do. Uh, they're not connected to running water. And I think they're kind of metaphors for how we should and could all live. Because there's this assumption that if you live like Robert Runyon in a cabin in the woods with solar uh, panels to, to do his uh, water and some wood-burning stoves, that there must be hardships and there must be things that you have given up. I can tell you, Robert was the happiest, most knowledgeable um, most intellectual, most fascinating person I think I've ever met. Kind of a hippie at heart, um, but just really thoughtful and considered. And considered, if, if, to be honest, I wish Robert was here now in my place because actually I think he has a lot more value when he speaks because he's actually living how I wish I could live. You know, I wish I could completely cut myself off from the grid and that I could be as green as he is. And incidentally, he's still not that green because you're still, you know, the human nature is that we will have an impact. Whatever it is we do, there will be an impact. He still drives, he has a truck that uses fossil fuels. So that, you know, there, there, there is always going to be something, there's always going to be a shortcoming. But rather than picking people up on those and highlighting them, I like to kind of celebrate the positives and over the years, there are so many inspiring people. And I come back from each of those visits, kind of wishing that I could do it myself here. And there's often a, 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 an assumption that, well, we couldn't do this in the British Isles. But actually, during COVID um, and, and the kind of lockdown, slight out of lockdown, back into lockdown, I've been able to carry on filming New Lives in the World, but only in the British Isles. We haven't been able to go overseas. So for the first time, I'm actually meeting people who are doing it in Wales, in rural Scotland, in rural England. And it is possible. And actually, it really excites me when I see what people have been able to achieve in this country, despite the odds, you know, because the planning, the regulations are really tough in this country to live um, in the wilderness off grid. It's, it's not encouraged. And that saddens me that that is our policy. But obviously, we don't have a huge amount of wilderness. So we also need to, to try and protect it. So it's, it's this kind of fine balance. But I do have great hope. And when I spend time with the Robert Runyons of this world, I come back feeling energized and positive that there is great hope um, on this planet and that our children and our great-grandchildren will um, ha still have green spaces left that, that they can enjoy. Fantastic. Ben, thank you. That has been a fantastic journey for me personally listening to um it's given me quite a lot of hope actually good in terms of uh the individual points you made i think that's i think there's a real takeaway here for all of us um during the conversation i've, I've also been thinking um life's not about stuff i mean i'm thinking the friends and people i know for example you get a new car how long does that joy really last I mean, you know i think there's a real takeaway there that there's there's bigger things at stake here so Thank you so much for coming in. It's been a real pleasure. And um, 
hopefully see you soon. Thanks, Max. Cheers. Thank you, Ben. And thank you all for listening. Check out the other episodes in this series and please share, subscribe, rate and review the Ikadan Serious About Sustainability podcast. Until next time, goodbye.